All right, everybody. Hey, welcome this morning, New Life Church. We're going to go ahead and get back to our seats as we carry on this morning. We're going to get into uh, the heart of our message this morning. We have a dear brother in Christ that uh, all of us have come to know over the last few years, uh, Greg Evans with uh, First Love Ministries out of South Africa. As you all perhaps remember, we have been uh, supporting uh, he and his wife Kristen and their family and their endeavors there in the uh, heart of South Africa and their missionary journey there and what God is doing with them. And I have yet to step foot on land there. You continue to invite me and create all these magnificent ways for me to come, and I have yet to come. But I will, I promise you, I will be there someday soon, hopefully sooner than later. Um, I really want to go. And uh, I'd love to take a few of you folks with us if you're able. But uh, this family uh, has been serving in South Africa for many years now. It's uh, very dear uh, to their heart and what God has called them to do. Many things from Christian education to health care. We helped uh, sow about three years ago, I think it was, we sowed. They were building the first health clinic there in a remote village uh, and, and prior to that, they didn't have anything anywhere close. And Greg helped pioneer that work to create a health care clinic there. And we were one of the first churches who were able to sow financially and prayerfully into that clinic. And uh, so I thought that was pretty magnificent. And he's going to share more details about all the different things that are going on and how God is using them and what he's doing to help the people there in South Africa and the different villages and towns there. But I want you to help me welcome our dear brother in Christ, Greg Evans. Good. Thanks so much. It's so good to be here uh, with you all again. As um, as Pastor Jeremy was saying, we, we've been in South Africa. We moved there this September. will be 11 years. Uh, my wife and I moved. We've got three boys. I've got two of them with me today, Isaiah and Asa. Ezra stayed at home with mom. Uh, all three of them were born in South Africa, so that's that's what they know. That's home for them, and it's really home for us now. This June will be 20 years since I first went to visit uh, South Africa, and on that trip, I fell in love with the place and felt God speaking that that was going to be my home, and that was going to be uh, where I was able to do what, what God had called me to do. So we're, we're just thankful to be able to step out into that. Let me just kind of give you an, uh, an idea of what we do. Maybe some of y'all are, are new or, or forgot what we're doing. Uh, we started in South Africa in, in primary purpose of planting churches. And we realized as we were planting churches, there was a lot bigger need than just the spiritual need. Although the spiritual need is a huge problem, we found that it's deeper than that. There's a holistic version of what we got to do. So, and, and we got into that because I helped a guy plant a church in a rural areas. And I told him, as, as a church, you need to be doing more than just having service on Sunday mornings, just preaching on Sundays. So I asked him, I said, what in the community can you do to be able to reach the people around you? And he brought me to a primary school. And I spoke with that principal at the primary school and just asked him, what are the needs? And he was telling me that many of the kids there are orphaned. Many of the kids don't have parents around, so they don't have the, the food that they would need. So he said a lot of the times his attendance is very low because the children don't come to school in the morning because they haven't eaten. They're trying to find somewhere to get food or whatever the situation may be. So we came up with a plan on uh, providing a breakfast before school so the children could come there, eat, um, and and for two purposes, one, to get them to school, and for two, so they'd be able to learn after 
um, they get there with, with the right nutrition. We started that program and really saw a huge change uh, in that school. Uh, we've, we've been working in many primary schools since then. Right now we're feeding eight primary schools every morning. About 4,000 kids have an opportunity to eat uh, every morning. But what we realized when we were doing this is that education is a huge problem in the rural areas. If we want to bring people from that area and give them the same opportunity everybody else has, then we have to see the education level increase. And one of the things we saw was the children coming into grade one or kindergarten, they call it grade R there, those children were so far behind. Many of them um, had, had not really had any stimulation of games or whatever for their brain um, until they reached that school. So we began to look at what is the, what is the, uh, the, the, the ability to be able to help children before they come to school. So as I told you, many of the kids are orphaned or their parents, if they are alive, they've tried to go into the cities to get a job and they've left the children with a grandmother in the rural areas. So the grandmothers, many of them, you know, they're not set up to take care of kids. They don't have the toys. They don't have the games. They don't have anything to stimulate them. A lot of times the child spends the majority of its young life strapped on granny's back and she just carries it around. So as we begin to study this, my wife is, is an education major. That's what she did before we moved over. Actually, she still does it because she teaches her, her boys, homeschools them every day. But as we began to study this, we, we saw one of the studies that said a child's brain is 85% developed by the time it's five. So the brain of a child, if it is not stimulated, before it's five years old, if it doesn't have, and I'm not talking about normal classwork, I'm talking about games that they can play, ways that they can, they can begin to get their brain working in the right way. Many of those children never recover 100% from that. So we begin to look at how do we help children in the early ages? And what we begin to do is go through the community and find preschools. And many of these preschools were just set up because an old lady realized there are kids in the community, they have nothing to do, and they tried to find a way, how do we get these children off of the streets and in somewhere safe? And we would find them, they would be meeting in a mud hut or a tin building that they've thrown together with scraps. Many of them were meeting in a spare bedroom, whatever it might have been. But we started helping them. How do we organize them, register them with the government, get them set up, so it's a legitimate preschool, and then the South African government has committed to subsidizing them. It's not much, but they're willing to give them some money to be able to run this program. Now, they've got a high list of what all they have to do to get there. One of the biggest ones is they have to have a building. Did you know if we pass the cards out? Did everybody get a card? If you, if you look at the top of the, of the card, I've got, I've got one of the buildings we've built there. We started helping them and building um, preschool. It's two classrooms with an office in the kitchen. Um, normally it'll, it'll hold about 40 kids, which is what the, the um, average of the kids you're going to see in these schools. Before I left, I broke ground on the 80th preschool, 8-0. So we, we've been able to put up a lot of these uh, structures and really help with that, I think, that I think they're bringing those cards out to you now. 
That's a card with, it's just, just got me and my family, a picture of us on there. If you just put that in a place where you can pray for us, we'd appreciate it. And then it's got a few p- pictures of projects on there. On the back side of the card, it's got all of our contact details, uh, Facebook, Instagram. Follow us. Give us some likes. Helps us get the message out of what we're able to do. So we started building these preschools. It's been about five years now. We're finishing up our 80th. But what we're looking at now, we're still building, but what we're looking at is how now do we make sure the education level in each one of them is to where it should be. So as I told you before, many of the children haven't had the stimulation they would need, so the brain hasn't developed in the way it should develop. So we have done some baseline testing, and I'm not talking about, I'm talking about kids playing a game and just seeing who's able to do certain things that they should be able to do at the age they are. The majority, listen, the majority of the children would still test as special needs, which is not right. They're not special needs. They just haven't had the stimulation to get to the true structure. So what we're doing this year, I'm, I'm starting, I've already hired um, the lady who will be running this. I've already bought the vehicle. I've already got everything set up. We're doing a mobile resource center. I've got a lady who's been trained on how to uh, run preschools, how to run the programs. She's going to be going to each preschool every week. She's going to be teaching them how to use the different resources, leaving it with them, and letting them use it for a week or two and beginning to rotate through with different resources so we can get the children to the level that they need to be. I really probably need three people to cover where we're at. I'm going to start out with one. This year I'm believing to have the resource center set up and probably um, probably add two or three of those that are going to be operating every day. So that's one of the things we're really working on this year is to get that level up to uh, where it should be so these kids have the same opportunity that everybody else does. I believe if Jesus comes in and he saves your soul, he wants to see you prosper in every way. And if you don't have the right starting, uh, you're not going to be able to have the right finishing. So we're, we're looking at that. So education-wise, we're looking at that. We're still working in primary schools, still feeding primary schools. I had, I had one situation come to me um, about a month ago. I'm building a preschool in one community with a chief, and that chief asked me to come by and see a high school. Well, it's not a high school. Uh, it's a secondary school. It does not offer grade 11 and grade 12. It stops at grade 10. So as I stopped and spoke with this principal, the principal was telling me about the school. So, so the school is very remote. I normally work in the very remote areas. The nearest high school is 10 miles away. So the kids, if they want to go to high school, they have to walk 10 miles to get there. Or they can decide that they're going to go and, and stay with somebody on that side. But there's issues that happen with that. So the teacher was telling me many of the young girls, when they go and they stay on that side, they come back six months later pregnant. So she said, most of the children never get past grade 10. That area is big on growing marijuana, and that's what they end up doing. So she and the community, along with the chief, has decided we're going to have a full high school here. So in January, she started grade 11. She took her teachers and moved them to the kitchen for their staff room 
she took the kitchen and moved them out to a little wooden shack, and she gave the teacher's room to grade 11. I was blown away when I went there to meet with these kids. There were 86 kids. Some desks had three kids because they, they, they were ready to have the education. It's not that they didn't want it. It just wasn't available to them. 86 kids coming in, but they really don't have the room. All of them shoved into one small little room. So she began to build three more classrooms. She got some money together from the community. They put the blocks up on the classrooms, but they pretty much ran out. They don't have anything else they can do. And she asked me if, if I could help. And, you know, it's one of those situations you go into. You didn't have a plan. It wasn't in the budget, but I told her, yeah, I'd build it. So we're working on putting that roof on and finishing those buildings up so those kids can actually get a true education and not have to be put into a situation where, where they can't. Th this is what's amazing. She went to the Department of Education and spoke with them about it. They said, we don't have the money for the infrastructure. They said, if you want to do it, we'll recognize it as part of our programs, but we can't give you any resources to do it with. So she went to the other high schools in the area and asked them if they would give her the leftover books for grade 11. So she took whatever was left over and came back to teach her kids. You know, I, I look at somebody like that, and that's somebody who's going to make a difference in that community. And, you know, when I'm able to partner with somebody like that, I know that we're going to see great things. So I, I've, I've got some ideas on what we can do in that community. I want to get those schools up and going first, but I've been speaking with some people about actually making that school a STEM type of school so we can even raise that level of education to a higher level. So uh, that's, that's, that's another piece that I'm, I'm looking at. I want to get that, that roof put on uh, that school this year. I'd like to get it put on as quick as possible, but by January, I know we've got a whole other group coming through to, to stay there. The school year starts in January where we're at. So, so education-wise, that's what we're working on. The second piece of the puzzle is health care. And as Pastor Jeremy said, we built one health clinic. Uh, I did that in partnership with the Department of Health. Um, it is running. It's not running exactly the way I want it to run, uh, but it is running right now. I'm still pushing them to get the best health care in that community. Um, so, sometimes you can find in the rural communities because it's not where everybody sees it, they don't always get the best. And um, I, feel, I feel like my job is to make sure we're getting the best in there. So I push them all the time and always uh, education, health care, whatever it might be, I'm trying to get the community to have the best in what the city does. The last piece of that puzzle is you've got to have economic development. You got to empower people to to support themselves, and we we started doing this a few years back. I had a pastor come to me. He had twelve branches in his church, but the tithes and offerings were not even enough to support him and his family. So he was still working a full time job with twelve campuses. So I helped him set up a small chicken farm. After six months, he was able to quit his job and be able to focus on the ministry full time. Incredible what I was able to see, the change in him. We've done that with a few people, but what we've started doing now is since I'm building a lot, I've tried to help people set up businesses associated with what I'm already doing. So we've set up three different groups who have their own construction teams. 
I met one of them because he was, he was laying bricks at my house. And I realized he's got a lot, as I talked to him, he's got a lot of potential. So he set up his own business. He's registered with the government. He's even got some contracts with the government. But they go and they, they build these preschools uh, for me. And I pay them as contractors. I treat them just like what they should be treated if they were working for anybody else out in the community. But we've also have somebody who has, who are, who are, building the blocks that we're using to build the preschools. So we buy from them. So we help set a business up with that. We help set a business up with somebody who's making the aluminum windows in the community, somebody who's making the doors. I figured if, if I can help empower them and help them on what we're building, then I'm changing the whole aspect of what that community looks like. And that's, that's the three pieces that we are focusing on as as a first love, we work with education, we work with healthcare, and we work with the entrepreneurial empowerment. And I believe if we can get those to the right level, we can truly transform those communities. Each one of those each one of those pieces has a has a spiritual aspect to it. We teach the Bible stories. We 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 coach people in in how to manage their money and how to take care of their money, honoring God. Um, but we realize there's got to be more than just a Sunday morning. We've got to make it real every day of the week, 24 hours a day. And, and that's where we've bat, we are at um, in South Africa. Looks like we might be ex expanding into another province, which would be like a state. Uh, we've been working. We live in KwaZulu-Natal. We're right on the edge of the Eastern Cape. I think next I think next year, I think this year, we will start building in that area. Got some evaluations to do down there, so I'm looking to build some more uh, preschools on that side. And um, I've just been asked about Zimbabwe, so we might be doing some in Zimbabwe as well, uh, just to ex extend out what we're doing and who we're reaching and how we're able to transform and change communities and glorify God in the process. But uh, appreciate you guys. I know uh, I know y'all are praying for us. Y'all are helping us, partnering with us. Appreciate that. We we do have to have some increase this year overall. And, uh, you know, I bl always believe in God is going to make it happen. He's never let us down yet. So continue to pray for us. Continue to support us. And we appreciate that. Good. Let me let me get into word. I got something I want to share with you today. If you've got your Bibles, turn over to Proverbs 2. I want to talk to you about wisdom. You know, something God has really been working with me on for for a while is just is just what what is wisdom in our life you know wisdom is is I, I like to say it this way wisdom is making choices today that I'm going to be happy with tomorrow instead of making choices today and then regretting them tomorrow but wisdom listen wisdom is different than knowledge you know, knowledge is when you have all the facts. I've learned something. I've learned the facts with those. But wisdom is knowing what to do with those facts after you have them. See, we can have a lot of knowledge, but if we don't have the wisdom and how to use it, we can get into some serious problems. I, I saw a study just this last week that the number of Americans over the age of 25 that have a bachelor's degree from a university 
is the highest it's ever been, 33.4%. One-third of all Americans over 25 have a bachelor's degree. Americans are seeking knowledge. You know, it's not just here. I see the same thing as I'm in South Africa or Kenya or wherever I might be able to travel to. I see the knowledge that people are seeking. But what I also see is we're lacking the wisdom on how to use that knowledge. Let me give you some ideas of, of where we're missing some wisdom at. We've got a lot of knowledge on how to use stuff, a lot of knowledge on, on, on what might be there. But in getting all that knowledge, right now Americans have $113 billion in student loans. $4 trillion in consumer debt. Now, consumer debt's not talking about your home. I'm talking about credit cards. I'm talking about personal loans. I'm talking about things we really didn't need. Americans, every year, we spend $104 billion on interest of credit cards. That's, I'm, not, I'm not talking about home loans. I'm talking about things we didn't really need. I look at that and I'm thinking, I don't think we're using the wisdom to apply the knowledge that we've been getting. We've got knowledge, but what do we do with the wisdom now? We need wisdom on how to deal with our money. That's a lot of money we're talking about. It's not small. You know, but it doesn't just stop with, with our finances. It stops with marriage. I mean, look, look, at, look at our marriages. 50% of all marriages, first-time marriages, end in divorce. 67% of second marriages live in divorce. 75% of third marriages end in divorce. And here's what's staggering about that number is the statistics are the same inside the church as they are outside the church. I'm not saying this to beat anybody up. I'm saying we're, we're lacking wisdom on how we need to be running our life. We're lacking wisdom of how we need to operate. Is everybody still in Proverbs 2? Proverbs 2.1. I'm going to read this out of the Common English Bible. It says, My son, accept my words and store up my commands. Turn your ear toward wisdom and stretch your mind toward understanding. Call out for insight and cry aloud for understanding. Let me, I'm, going to, I'm going to read a few more. Seek it like silver. Search it like hidden treasure. Verse 5. Then you will understand the fear of the Lord and discover the knowledge of God. Verse 6 says, the Lord gives wisdom. From his mouth comes knowledge and understanding. You know, this was written by King Solomon. King Solomon was the third king of Israel, David's son. And some people, most people if, that, that study the Bible, would recognize King Solomon as the wisest man to ever be on the earth. King Solomon when he became king, God asked him, God told him to ask God of anything he wanted and he would give it to him. And Solomon said, you've been good to my father David. You've given me this great people to lead. He said, I need wisdom on how to lead them. And God said, I'll grant you that wisdom, but I'll also, you could have asked me for great 
riches, for fame, for all of that. God said, I'm also going to give that to you in addition to the wisdom. King Solomon was not just known as the wisest man. He was also known as one of the richest. He's also known all around the world. Great kings would come to him and give him stuff. You know what's important is wisdom is available for us today. If we seek it, if we ask God for it, I believe God will give it to you. There are situations in each one of our lives where we're thinking, God, I don't know what the answer is. Do you know God has the wisdom on how to deal with that situation? God has the wisdom to, to walk you through that, to move you through that. We've got to have God's wisdom in our life. Do you know what wisdom is? Wisdom is letting God's desires be our first priority. See, sometimes our desires are our first priority, and we're just wanting God to bless it and say, no, that's, that's the right thing. But really, wisdom is saying, no, God, I want your priorities over my priorities. I want your things more than I want mine. You know, most people are in debt or whatever the bad situation is because we didn't wait for God to provide what we wanted. We couldn't wait on God. So we went out and we got whatever it was because we wanted it and we wanted it now. And then we end up in one of these bad situations. And then we ask God to help us get out of this bad situation that we blame on Satan because we couldn't wait. I'm just, I'm just being real with you today. We've got to have wisdom on how we run our life. Our life shouldn't just be all about us. I had a situation a while back, and, and, and it really came from my prayer life. Sometimes in our prayer life, our prayer life begins to, to speak to God and, and talk to God. And, and, and really, we, we, I'll say me, maybe y'all are different than me. I would find myself where God just began to be a genie for me, and I was asking him for everything and rubbing and hoping it would come. And I remember in, in, in prayer one day, God spoke to me and he says, I don't want you to ask me for anything for one year. Let me tell you, when you begin to pray and not ask God for anything for one year for myself, it really challenged. I sit there like, I, I, I'm trying to figure out how I'm supposed to pray. <laughs> but it began to bring into my life a realization of who God was. You know, all the things I would have asked God for, it all happened anyway. See, God already knows your desires. He, already, he says he'll take care of those. There's a lot of other things that, that I can be praying and spending time with God about that's far more important, and a lot of it has to do with changing me as I get to know him. I've had people ask me to give them advice before on a decision they were making. And I realized where their motivation was as we spoke a little bit. I had one guy. He was telling me that there was a young girl he was interested in. I think they'd been dating for a while. She wasn't a Christian. She was actually kind of adamantly against being a Christian. 
But he told me, he said, no, I believe I'm in love with her. I believe God's going to use me to bring her into the kingdom. And, and I told him, I said, well, you know, the Bible talks about not being unequally yoked and, and all. He's like, oh, yeah, I, I know all of that, but, but I believe God. And I realized as I was speaking to him, he's not looking for wisdom. He's looking for somebody who will tell him, you know you're right, so he can do it. He'd already set his mind up. He had his own priority himself. He didn't care what God's thought were. He had something on his mind he wanted to do. He was not willing to use wisdom. I see it in my life. I find those times I'm like, man, you know, I, I, I want to see this. I believe it's a good thing. I'm going to force it. I'm going to make it happen. And most of the times, if it does happen, it's never as good as what you thought it might be. We need more wisdom in our life. I, I look at life as a ladder. And I believe we're climbing that ladder. And we have a goal of where we want to get to. Whether it's a ladder of relationship, a ladder of success, a ladder of financial expansion. And as we climb that ladder, and I've seen people in the corporate world as they climb that ladder and they try to get promotions and, and they're kicking down whoever. As they got one hand up here and they're kicking another one down on one side. And, and, and they're working their way up and they're doing whatever they have to do to get to the top of that ladder. But I've known people, as they got older and got to the end of their life, and they got to the top of that ladder that they were looking, and they began to look over at the top, and they realized they had their ladder against the wrong building the whole time. You know, it's got to be a horrible way to get toward the end of your life. I said, man, I've wasted, I've wasted everything that I fought for and I put my time toward. You know, King Solomon was one of the wisest men. But at the end of his life, he had one of these times. If you've got your Bible, look at Ecclesiastes. Ecclesiastes 2, verse 4. I'm going to read a large passage to you here because I think it's very important. Now, now notice as I read, this is once again as King Solomon speaking. Notice how many times he says, myself, myself. Look at this passage. I made my works great. I built myself houses and planted myself vineyards. I made myself gardens and orchards. I planted all kinds of fruit trees in them. I made myself water pools from which to water the growing trees of the grove. I acquired male and female servants and had servants born into my house. Yes, I had greater possessions of herds and flocks than all who were in Jerusalem before me. I also gathered for myself silver and gold, and special treasures of kings of all the provinces. I acquired male and female singers, the delights of the son of men, and musical instruments of all kinds. So I became great 
and excelled more than all who were before me in Jerusalem. Also, my wisdom remained with me. Look at that. Whatever my eyes desired, I did not keep from them. I did not withhold my heart from any pleasures. For my heart rejoiced in all my labor. And this was my reward for all of my labor. Now look at this last verse. Then I looked on all the works that my hands had done. And on the labor in which I had toiled. And indeed, all was vanity and gasping for the wind. There was no profit under the sun. See, Solomon had great wisdom. His wisdom remained with him. He got great things. He had all the, all the things you could dream about, greater than anybody else. And he realized at the end of his life, it meant nothing. He had lived a life that was all about him. He had lived a life that, that was only pursuing and seeking what he wanted. He was living a life that was based on what I want, what I think, and what I feel. You know, so often our life can hit those areas. We wake up in the morning with what I want. We begin to walk through with what I think. And we have relationships based on how we feel. But really, that's not God's desire for your life. God has more for your life. God has greater things for your life. I believe the first step in learning to walk in wisdom for our life, it's my first step that I'm trying to walk in, is learning this, that this life is not about me. It's not about what I can get for myself. It's not about whether, you know, we, we, we've got those dreams. We've got those things we want. But it's not just about what can I get for me? How can I make myself? It's really about what does God want to use me to do to help somebody else? I've learned my life is less about me being comfortable. It's more about me making somebody else comfortable. Am I willing to walk in a level where I can be treated wrongly to accomplish a dream or desire of God to help somebody else? Did you hear what I said? Am I allowing myself to be treated wrong, giving up my rights so that way I can give somebody else what God wants them to have? Look, this is hard. I, I, I'm trying to talk to you from my heart this morning. I'm trying to tell you thing, things that I deal with. I'm trying to tell you those areas. You know, there's many times when I'm trying to do something for a community. I'm trying to help people. And I have somebody who, who treats me wrongly. And my pride begins to want to step up and say, no, no, no. You, you. But God's saying, do you love me enough to let them treat you wrongly if it accomplishes what I wanted done? It's a, it's a whole other level. It, it, it's, it's, it's a level where God begins to take you away from your rights. You know, Paul, Paul wrote about this. Paul said, it's no longer I, but Christ who lives in me. I've laid down myself to allow Christ to walk in me. 
Why should we think that our life should be any different than Jesus's? Jesus came and walked this earth. What was his purpose? To reconnect us with God. What happened? He was betrayed, beaten, destroyed on this earth as a person to fulfill his commitment to restore our life with God. Why should our life be any different? I want to restore people. I want people to reach God, which means I've got to lay down my life so God can shine through it. Solomon had one of those moments in his life. So much about about what we have is, is what I'm thinking about, what I talk about, what I hope for, what I pray for. Let me go deeper. I talk about my dream and my vision. God has challenged me. It's not my dream. It's not my vision. It's his. Because when it's mine, it becomes all about me. And it's really all about him. I hear people talking all the time about living a legacy. I had somebody tell me this week, man, you are putting together a good legacy for yourself. And I said, I hope not. Because my legacy should be all about Jesus. Nobody should remember me. They should remember who sent me. We have to be thinking about what is God looking? How is God glorified through our life? It's not about me anymore. My, my, my. I find it in my life all the time. And God keeps saying it's not about you. It's about them. It's about people out there. As I was telling you, one of our community projects is empowering underprivileged, teaching them how to run their own business. I was sitting with a group of Christian businessmen who were successful. And we were talking about this project and how they could, they could get involved in this project, how they could help these people, how they could empower these people, what giftings they had that they'd be able to put into these people. And as we were talking through this, I had one of the men ask me this question. He said, what, what in this project is in it for me? What am I going to make? I realized very quickly, if it wasn't about money, he wasn't interested. We have to begin to allow ourselves to step away from what we want, what we think, to allow God to be glorified in our lives. We, we hit that point that we keep talking about, what about me? What about me? It's not about us anymore. It's about Jesus. Let me read this full verse to you. I talked about it a minute, Galatians 2.20. I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. And the life which I live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself for me. It's not about us anymore. It's about what we can do. I'm going to close out with this. I'm going to give you some practical steps. Practical things to begin to get yourself thinking about other people and not just about ourselves. First thing is easy. Think about how others feel. When you're doing something, when you're moving your life, how does that affect somebody else? How does that treat somebody else? 
Help somebody else when nobody else knows you're helping them. Sometimes it can be easy when, 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 when you, yeah, you know what, I, I did this for them. Build up our pride a little bit. But, you know, help somebody else when nobody else knows about it. Something I've been doing lately when I go to the grocery store, and I'm standing in line, and there's somebody in front of me, I'll just tell the cashier, look, I'm going to pack theirs too. Just let them go on. Bring mine to theirs. Ways to be able to touch somebody else in just a practical way. Do it when nobody else knows about it. You know, there's many times that I'll do stuff, and I don't even tell my wife because I want to glorify God and not be something that we can say, oh, we did something good. Celebrate when somebody else wins. This is a hard one because it breaks down. You know, so often I'll be in a conversation talking to somebody. They'll tell me something great about what they did, and my mind will be going, can I think of something greater that I've done? I'm being real with you all this morning. I, I feel like I've been here a few times. It's kind of home. I, I'm going to be real. Instead of sitting there and listening to their great success and saying, man, that is awesome. Celebrate somebody else. Celebrate where they are. Help them. It begins to let you die. Don't hurt someone else just to get ahead. can be so easy to do and we don't even realize it sometimes don't value your time more than others value others times just as much if not more than what yours your own is forgive and forget the forgiving part sometimes can be a little easier than the forgetting part Brings me back to the point where we have to allow God to be glorified even if it hurts us. Forgive and forget. Let me tell this one. I've probably told this one before, but it's, it's worth repeating. I didn't know my father growing up. My father left before I was old enough to remember him. I think as I've, I've been going back and looking, he, was, he left about three. When I was 19, on my 19th birthday, my uh, brother and sister who are much older than me asked me to come and, and meet my father and I didn't want to go I didn't really care anything about him I went for one reason because he said he had a gift and I wanted a gift uh, I met him my opinion has not changed about him I really didn't care about him at all uh, I did this for about three years twice a year on July 2nd which is my birthday and on December 25th which is Christmas both times because he said he had a gift I was 19, God was already, I was 19 when I first met him, at this time I'm 22, God's already using me in ministry, I'm already traveling, and God began to work with me about my father, he told me I had to forgive him, I had to forget it, and you know my, my, my argument with God was this, God he's never asked for forgiveness, he's never told me he was sorry. And God said, I didn't ask you whether he said he was sorry. I told you you ought to forgive him. And as I began to try to pray for my father and begin to work through that, because I had the hurts inside of me. I had a reason 
to be there. I'm not saying we don't have reasons, but I'm saying that reason holds us back. It doesn't let us be set free. And I began to try to pray for my father, and, and, and really the only prayer I could get out was just God, and I had to bite my tongue when I said, God, just bless him. But God began to break me to be his vessel again. And as I began to get to the point where I could forgive my father, I could forget about all of the hurt, then God allowed me to lead him back to him. I was able to watch my father reconnect with God. And my father and I had a great relationship when he passed. It was this July, it'll be 15 years since he died. And now look, I'm going to tell you, I still never heard him say I'm sorry. But it had nothing to do with that anymore. Because I know God used me to love him and to restore the relationship he had. And I know where he's at right now. See, life is not just about our feelings. It's not just about our justification on why we feel that way. We've got to learn to forgive and forget. Just a few more. Volunteer your time. Volunteer your skills. Volunteer your finances. And, and the last thing, just practical. Just be available to help somebody else. Don't just always look for somebody to help you. Be available to help somebody else. I know most missionaries don't come through with this, but this has just been a strong on my heart. I just wanted to share it with you. I believe a key to our life, moving forward, walking in God's wisdom, is laying ourselves down every day. Every morning when we wake up is letting ourselves die again and letting Jesus live through us. Y'all receive that this morning? Let me pray for you. Father, I thank you for each person here. God, I thank you for the wisdom you want to put in our life. God, God, I just pray for each one of us. God, let us walk in that wisdom. Let us walk in that ability to be selfless so you can be shine through us. I, ju I just want to pray for us. Nobody's, no, nobody looking around. No, nobody's, nobody's eyes open. It's just between you and God. Maybe some of you all are like me and you, you, you focus on yourself too much and your desires and you just want God to be able to let you be a little less selfish so you can walk in his wisdom. I just want to pray for you this morning. If you're here this morning and you know that I need to lay a little bit more of me down, I need to let God walk in those, just raise your hand up just so I can pray with you. Hands up all over this place this morning. Father, I just ask you, God, God, give us that strength to be able to walk this earth as Jesus did, God. God, you set us a great example of how Jesus walked this earth, and it was all about his purpose of reaching other people. God, let us begin to, begin to see you in everything we do. And Father, I just break those bonds and those chains that, that of oppression, offense, and hurt, and, and everything that keeps us focused on ourselves. 
God, let us keep our eyes focused on others. God, use us to reach other people. Use us to touch other people. Use us to, 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 to lift your name high, God. God, to let you be glorified. Father, let us bless other people. God, I believe this room right now, God, you've got the answers to what many people are praying for right here. God, let us begin to see with your eyes. Let us begin to walk with your feet. Let us begin to touch with your hands. Let us begin to love with your love. And God, let us change this world without thinking about what's in it for us. Father, we love you this morning. God, we glorify you. God, we walk out of here today different than how we walked in. God, we walk out selfless. Father, we love you and we thank you in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Amen.